0: Hi, you're listening to Dead A, the podcast where we talk about weird shit that may or may not have happened in human history. Uh, I'm Bethan and this is Portia, Hello. and we will be your guides. Oh, that was nice. <laughs> <laughs> so this is a podcast where we are going to be talking about just some some weird shit, that sort of stuff that is fascinating for no...
1: Discernible reason. The stuff that like mystified you as a kid, you know? Yeah. Like. A bit of cults, a bit of conspiracy, a bit of true shit, a bit of not true shit, a bit yeah. of maybe true shit. Yeah. Probably a All lot the, of
0: maybe true shit.
1: Yeah, I think it mostly maybe true shit. All the stuff the Fox Mulder would like.
0: Yeah. Our uh, primary audience is Fox Mulder.
1: Yeah. If you're not. Fox Mulder, and you are enjoying this, then that's a happy accident. But feel free to, you know, stick around. So today's episode is going
0: to be about the
1: Bermuda Triangle.
0: The Bermuda Triangle obviously is a an area shrouded in mystery, which is what we're all about yes. here at Dead
1: there's There's disappearances, people. There's disappearances of crafts, of the A and C variety.
0: There's triangles. <laughs> We got a bit of everything. Um, what we will normally be doing is we will both pick a separate topic and teach each other about it. Um, today we decided just to pick the same one as our first episode, also because we were kind of rushed and we're like, oh, we need to do something. And then. And also we needed
1: this <laughs> support from each other. Yeah, I didn't. I, I wanted to be eased into the whole thing of doing homework yeah. intentionally. I took the, took the day,
0: went to Starbucks. Yeah. Just... Whipped out a
1: laptop. Put on a roller neck jumper and some wooden glasses. Wooden glasses. Yeah. Wooden ones. Um, Ordered a very obscure drink. That was
0: a toffee nut latte.
1: Toffee nut latte. Oh, and then I had an earl grey. And an earl grey. That's that's very... Scholarly. Scholarly. (laughs) Whipped back her scarf. (laughs) And cracked her knuckles and said... Let the
0: fun times begin. And
1: so they shall.
0: (laughs) So um, the Bermuda Triangle is an area of sea about 500 square miles between Bermuda, San Juan in Puerto Rico and Miami. Um, It's also known as Hurricane Alley because it's where all the hurricanes are from. So yeah, the Bermuda Triangle is an area of great conspiracy
1: Yeah, so a lot of people, um, there's been a lot of tales of people disappearing, there's been tales of um, aircrafts and boats vanishing, sometimes even like fleets of boats, Um, it's a pretty famous one, so probably probably don't need to know this to be honest, but...
0: (laughs) It's pretty famous, guys. It's pretty fucking
1: famous, okay.
0: (laughs) Admittedly, I only knew anything about it four hours ago, so... I'm surprised at that. Like, I don't know like like what it is, but I never knew anything like I didn't know about Flight 19 or anything like. That. I just knew that things disappeared there. That's all I, I knew. I feel
1: like a vast amount of my childhood
0: was spent thinking about the Bermuda Triangle. I feel like that's going to be the top, the the vibe I get every week from you, though. Yeah. So apparently, millions of pounds of treasure, and I think that's pounds in weight. Um, I am not reading this from a note that I've copied and pasted. Um, lies in sunken Spanish and Portuguese galleons under the area. Galleons? Are they, yeah. Is that a real currency? No, the boats.
1: Oh. <laughs> okay. It's a Harry Potter currency. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad it is. <laughs> that's where I was going. Um,
0: yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, I will admit, I'm, I thought the same thing when I read it I'm <laughs> really glad. I'm not going to Is that not like pirate currency, though? No, it's the blooms.
1: Okay. So surely they've got, like, pounds and pence, like doubloons and galleons.
0: You know? No, galleons are ships.
1: This is like galleys. Like, I'll meet you on the galley. I'm going to chop up a, a body and put it in the galley.
0: My pirate knowledge is limited.
1: <laughs> okay.
0: So the, the term, the Bermuda Triangle, was actually coined in a magazine article in 1964. Um... Oh. About the disappearance of Flight 19, which is pretty much the bulk of what this is going to be about, I'll be honest. Okay. Um, Is that okay with you? I'll accept. (laughs) Flight 19 is a collection, a filler collection is a weird word, a troop, a patrol of five Avenger torpedo bombers. Um, Okay. This was... What's the plural of. is that planes? Yes. What's the plural of planes? Planes. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> so, Flight 19 is probably the most famous um, Bermuda Triangle story. It's the one that tends to come up in everything when you look it up. That was Ooh. good English. Yeah. Yeah. I've that. only.
1: I've only. I've never, like, heard a specific story, I don't think. I've only ever heard of like if you can't go on holiday somewhere, the flight all something that
0: flights over the Bermuda Triangle because you'll disappear. You know? I'm so glad I'm doing this podcast with you. <laughs> <laughs> so Flight 19 um, refers actually to a small troop of Avenger torpedo bombers which were set to ta- tackle an exercise through the Bermuda Triangle in December of 1945. And um, The naval base in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, uh, sort of threw these, through these parties, these um, exercises to train up their sort of students and junior flyers on a regular basis. And Flight 19, as implied by the name, was actually the 19th set of these planes to go out that day. Okay, So in
1: one day? mm Mm-hmm. So,
0: so it's it's not like oh something weird always happens in the triangle. This no. is the first thing that had happened that day. Okay, so they eighteen
1: of them had all, all gone over the triangle.
0: Yeah, they'd all been fine. Been fine, come back, could see them all. Yeah, so um, they were five of these torpedo bombers. Most of them had three naval men in. Seamen in. Um, so what they would do, um, this was considered navigation problem number one. And what would happen is they'd set off from Florida coast, five torpedo bombers, um, conduct a bombing run over a place called Hens and Chickens Shoals. What? I don't know. Americans, right? Um, then they would turn north. North? North. <laughs> <laughs> then they would turn North over Grand Bahama Island then fly southwest back to base. you can't see the hand gestures I'm doing. they're doing they're very informative yeah if you didn't follow that that's on you
1: you'd be an expert by now if if we had smell of it um
0: yeah because i I smell of knowledge <laughs> so um most of the men who were on there had logged about 300 hours in the air, which seems like a lot but I feel like it's not that much um but then it is. Well, they're still babies. This is a training exercise, baby pilot. Yeah, but like, so they know Back how to, to fly. It's not they were actual babies. <laughs> <laughs> Appreciate that. Um, um, so they were led by uh, Lieutenant Charles C. Taylor, and um, this was an experienced pilot. He had, um, he was a vet of several missions in World War Two. And he'd sort of logged 2,500 hours of total air time. Shit. See, that's a lot. Okay. 300 doesn't seem that much now.
1: Okay, they're trying. <laughs> they're doing
0: their best. I'm just saying.
1: Jesus.
0: So, um, Taylor that day actually arrived at the, at the briefing late before the exercise and requested to be excused from doing the exercise. Gabe was just saying, I just don't want to take this one out. But no one could replace him, so he, yeah, he ended did. up doing it anyway and took out these little baby pilots across the sea. Shit. Yeah. It's almost like if he
1: retired the next day, you know? Yeah. It's my last day on the job. Hope nothing goes wrong. Is it like that? Yeah, it's exactly
0: like that. Okay. <laughs> it's a lot of all films. Okay, okay. Um... So the first leg of the journey went without a hitch. They made it out of Florida and it dropped off their bombs like they were supposed to. So all um, you want from
1: a flight in it is to get out of Florida. Like, that cool. Is, yeah. Anything else is a bonus. We're out of Florida. <laughs> nice.
0: Nice. Um, so then they turned north towards the Grand Bahama. And Lieutenant Taylor became convinced that his, the compass on his Avenger wasn't working and the, the planes were heading in right. the wrong direction. Shit. Why did he think that? Because the compass wasn't working. Was it not moving? Uh, I, it, it just, I, don't, I don't know. I don't think <laughs> they were working. Um, there are theories as to why that might be. So um, Taylor's compass on his Avengers seemed to be malfunctioning, and he was convinced that the planes were heading in the wrong direction. And then, just as this sort of started kicking off, um, a front brought a lot of rain and winds and, like, heavy cloud cover. So, okay. Flight 19 was disoriented even further. One pilot could be heard over the radio saying, I don't know where we are, we must have got lost after the last turn.
1: Did Did they get all of this through the radio? Yeah. Okay. That's how they, like, knew what
0: happened. Yeah. Okay. Spoiler alert, everyone disappears. Oh, shit. <laughs> so, um, there was a... Another lieutenant on a a flight mission or practice or exercise or some shit nearby um, at the Florida coast called Lieutenant Cox. um, Who heard these radio communications and called the air station and asked the Avengers if they needed any assistance. And Lieutenant Taylor was saying, look, both of my compasses are out. I'm trying to find Fort Lauderdale, Florida. I'm over land, but it's broken. I'm sure I'm in the Keys, but I don't know how far down. Quote. Direct. Oh. Um. This didn't really make much sense, though, because they'd made their scheduled pass over the Shoals to drop the bombs less than an hour ago, but now Taylor is convinced. What are you laughing at? <laughs> Just when you say Shoals, I expect you to say no.
1: So they went nose.
0: No. <laughs> <laughs> This didn't really make much sense to Lieutenant Cox because the flight had made the scheduled pass over the shoals less than an hour ago. I hate you. (laughs) But now Taylor was saying that they were hundreds of miles off course and in the Florida Keys. So what people think might be going on here is that Taylor had recently transferred from Miami, so although he was very experienced as a flyer, he may have confused the Bahamas for the Keys... Right. Um, because apparently they look very similar. Okay. I mean, I, I'm taking the internet's word for that. Uh, yeah. yeah I can't see. <laughs> I've uh, had an
1: in-depth work.
0: So, under normal circumstances, when pilots are lost in the Atlantic, they're supposed to sort of point their planes towards the setting sun and fly west okay. to get back to the mainland. But Lieutenant Taylor was absolutely convinced he was over the Gulf of Mexico, and so thought that if he went west, he would end up further out to sea. Right. Um, So in an attempt to locate the Florida Peninsula, he made the decision to go northeast rather than west, which took him further out to sea. Some of his pilots did recognise this mistake and just kept saying, you could hear over the the comms, one of them going, damn it, if we would just fly west, we would get home. Go west, damn it. But Taylor was ignoring this because he was convinced that they were in Mexico well, I mean we've all been there exactly um, so eventually Taylor was persuaded to go west I think ground control or whatever that's space but um, naval ground control ground towers <laughs> um, persuaded him to sort of head west and, but then at about 6 o'clock he seemed to have got a bit not happy with that idea, and was uh, decided to turn around again. But now we're going the other way. Ah. Um, he was heard over the comms saying we didn't go far enough east. We may as well just turn around and go east again. You know he's one of these dads who won't ask for
1: directions when he's asked. Mm. Like I've got a map. I am not using that fucking Tom Tom you bought me for Christmas, right? <laughs> I'm not stopping to ask anyone. I'm fucking. I've got a map.
0: I'm I, that dad, my though. car
1: is too small to open it up <laughs> I, I'm
0: using the map Some people actually think That one plane disagreed and flew off I bet that's the guy with, who was getting there going yeah, God damn it, damn it yeah. Um But I don't know where They would have got Exxanabon. that information from so.
1: Yeah and Many of the other planes must have had speakers
0: to talk over So perhaps he was just like, like I'm, I'm, out. This I'm out I'm out yeah. i splitting So, um, as Flight 19 meandered further out to sea, radio transmissions grew more faint, as they would. One of the last things that was heard over the radio was Taylor prepping his men for a potential crash landing in the ocean. Because fuel was running low.
1: (gasps) Oh, God. That's scary. One thing that Taylor
0: was heard saying, and I think this was the last thing he was heard to say, was all planes close up tight. We'll have to ditch unless landfall. When the first plane drops below ten gallons, we all go down together.
1: What? Hang on. So they were all gonna like suicide?
0: No. Like going down with the ship? No. Um, ten gallons is how much fuel you got.
1: Yeah, but so if, like if you if
0: get to ten gallons, you're like, right, we need to while we can still control this plane. Oh, uh, get it down. But why is it when the
1: first one goes down, we all go down? Why not? Like when you when you reach ten, you go
0: down. So they're all together um, for when people oh, can okay. find them. I assume. Okay, fair enough. That makes sense, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. We've got to keep them all together. So, still together. But anyway, shortly after that, the communications were replaced by an eerie buzz of static.
1: Ooh.
0: Tintintint. I thought it was. I thought you
1: was gonna be like. An ee. I thought you were gonna do an impression of the sound that replaced it, and like. Ee.
0: i would hate to if my radio made that (laughs) there's
1: someone just aggressively reading
0: out the alphabet (laughs) so at about half seven um after all this has gone down obviously the naval base like right Get some people out there. We've got to find these these men. A mariner flew out from the air station to hunt for the patrol. Within 20 minutes, they also vanished from the radar. Oh, God. Is a mariner not a s- sailor? I think the mariner was just what they call these specific flying boats. Oh, okay. Um, the remains of the mariner and its 13 crew... Oh, I thought the mariner was a man. I was thinking one person going out to find them was a bit shit. The remains of the mariner and its 13 crewmen uh, were never recovered. But it's widely believed that the seaplane just exploded. Oh. Why Um, is that believed? Do we know? uh, Well, flying boats were notoriously (laughs) accident-prone. They were really clumsy. (laughs) (laughs) Um,
1: Hang on, flying boat?
0: I I they, like, a bit different from real boats, from real planes. They, like, got those things on them, I think, at the bottom. Going. Oh, so they're gonna
1: land on water like Sweet Home, Alabama?
0: I think so. Cool. Um, uh, don't quote me on that. Um, I have no idea. I fucking will. But anyway, they were nicknamed flying gas tanks because of their oh, propensity no. to just catch fire, so... Is there a ride in a flying gas tank? <laughs> so nobody was actually that surprised when it disappeared. Um, Suspicions of it exploding were strengthened by the fact that a passing merchant ship spotted a fireball And then later found an oil slick on the water So, likelihood is it did just explode Yeah, Um, that sounds pretty explodey But what is weird is that there was no evidence of debris, no bodies, anything It just disappeared But did
1: they not look under where the oil slick was?
0: I'm assuming they did. At first light the next day, over 300 boats and aircraft were sent out to find any evidence. So I'm assuming someone looked under the old oil Like someone coming in and being like, did you check in in the sofa cushions? Yes, I checked in the sofa cushions! (laughs) So, um, five days of over 300 vessels of varying terrain combing through these 300 square miles and there was absolutely no evidence of bodies, of debris, of any crash at all. Lieutenant David White, who was on the Naval Board of Investigation, says they just vanished. Uh, There were hundreds of planes out looking. We searched over land and water for days and nobody ever found the bodies. The Naval Board of Investigation um, argued that Taylor may have confused the Bahamas for the Keys once his compasses had malfunctioned, but there was absolutely no explanation as to why Flight 19 was disoriented in the first place and why there was no radio contact at one point. Um, the loss has officially been attributed to causes un- or reasons unknown, which is the most unsatisfying
1: Oh, my God, yeah. Oh, imagine, like, losing a kid and that's the explanation you're given.
0: Yeah, one um, of the members of the investigation team was quoted for saying they vanished completely, as if they'd flown to Mars. But well, I mean, they were that off track that maybe they did. It was. There's no explanation either as to why none of the other members of Flight 19 used the rescue radio frequency um, or the ZBX receivers. Did not look that what those are but apparently they could help lead them towards the radio towers on land. Um, Pilots were told over the comms to switch these devices on, but either they didn't hear that or didn't acknowledge it, and didn't. But the general general consensus is that um, Flight 19 became disoriented, ditched in rough seas, the aircraft ran out of fuel, they all died a terrible, terrible death. But it is strange that nothing has ever been found. Yeah. Well, the search for the... This was 1945, and the search is still going on. In 1990, they found some... The wreckage of some sort of Avenger from that sort of period of time. Okay. Um, And they raised it from the seabed. But it turns out it had a different serial number, which mm. didn't match the last patrol, so it's not confirmed to be Flight 19.
1: Yeah. But is also worth knowing, is very far from being the only fleet that's disappeared. This is something where just countless, well not countless because there is a rough figure, but a lot of um, planes and ships have gone missing. I think the figure I saw was roughly 50 um, ships and 75 planes. But that seemed to change in different places. I also,
0: statistically, not any more dangerous than any other. Well,
1: yeah. I've seen that also, but I've also seen that disputed. So I wouldn't want to say that for sure. And also because I don't want um, <laughs> yeah, so to believe it. Because <laughs> I choose to believe that it's
0: interesting, okay? Never believe anything we say because we will choose the facts that we like.
1: Absolutely. Do not let the truth go in the way of a good story. So some of the other vessels that have been reported missing, disappeared over the Bermuda Triangle include a DC-3 passenger plane that was chartered for flight from San Juan to Miami. It disappeared on the 28th of December 1948 and it had 32 passengers on board. Um, the pilot was last heard from 50 miles out from landing um, and after that it just disappeared and nothing was ever found to show that it was ever there. Um, There's also the Sandra, a freighter from Savannah, Georgia, that was going to Venezuela in June 1950, Um, disappeared completely as if it never existed. The U.S. Navy Super Constellation, which disappeared with 42 people on board in October 1954, no radio signals were received, no debris or bodies ever found. Um, In November 1956, a Navy patrol bomber disappeared with no radio signals ever heard. Um and on the 9th of March uh, 1957 DC-6 en route from New York to San Juan nearly collided with a mysterious luminous object off the Florida coast the location was far from guided missile range um and a number of other pilots in the area observed the object so there's been a, a lot of weird shit but that, that is a really small list. There's also when I researched this um There was things up until, like, 2015. There were events going on, so it's, you know, it's very much still um, active, whatever's going on there. (laughs)
0: Yeah, whatever it is that's in the the triangle. The sea
1: monsters that are obviously making this happen.
0: Interestingly, not a theory. No, Um,
1: well, it is now, bitch. Anyone can theorise.
0: So, one of my absolute favourite things about the Bermuda Triangle is how it just, like, 20 years after Flight 19 disappeared, some guy has just decided, I'm going to write an article about this place. I'm going to name it the Bermuda Triangle and write it for my magazine, Argosy.
1: Argosy? Argosy? Argosy. That's going to be my cast name.
0: Vincent Gaddis coined the term Bermuda Triangle um, for his... Um, cover article in 1964 I've read the entire article and it's hilarious it's beautiful it's just the last words of it are something like the sea holds her secrets close ooh that was great something like that ooh somebody went
1: to college
0: (laughs) (laughs) um yeah but he's got some really weird theories about it which don't really match up with like the official um Transcript of the... Love it. Good enough for me, I believe him. He seems to think that the fireball of the merchant ship saw was an exploding meteor. He just puts that in there like, oh, the merchant saw this but it could have been an exploding meteor. Okay. Fine. Um, Commonly um, (laughs) mistaken for an
1: exploding plane.
0: He also mentions that something must have affected the compasses and silenced the radios. Um... He believes that uh, this was due to an atmospheric aberration or oh, a hole in the sky. Oh. Um, okay. The Navy, surprisingly, does not support this theory. Well,
1: do you know what? I don't support the Navy. So...
0: One quote from it um, is, uh, The fact that patrol operations are made without incident is no evidence against the phenomenon. It is obvious that it occurs only occasionally in a well-traveled triangle area. Without warning, but frequently enough to be alarming. Ooh. Yeah. Okay. But he also just added a bunch of things which I can't find any evidence for that Lieutenant Taylor apparently said. Um, for example, apparently, according to this article, Taylor said, we don't know which way is west, everything is wrong, even the ocean doesn't look as it should. But I can't find any proof that that was actually said. Did he then. also
1: say... um Vincent Gaddis, by the way, guys, I know I know we're crashing into the ocean, but Vincent Gaddis, what a beautiful man. What a fucking handsome, intelligent man. <laughs> Listen to what he says, because it is true.
0: Well, uh, Mr. Gaddis is actually known for making um, comments on spontaneous human combustion. That was my number one fear as a child.
1: <laughs> that was a serious phobia of mine. Not a phobia <laughs> like a terrible fear. <laughs> no,
0: <laughs> why <laughs> yeah, okay God is always known for making statements on spontaneous human combustion um, and famous for ignoring natu- uh, natural explanations and inventing mysteries where it doesn't exist um, he's got a wide range of books out um, including Wide World of Magic The Curious World of Twins and American Indian Myths and Mysteries okay it's-
1: some sound some, some a little Nazi-ish. <laughs> just a bit. Just a bit. Um, Can you call people Nazis on podcasts? Is that
0: allowed? I don't think there's a rule against it. Cool. Cool. We'll leave that in there. Okay. Um, Charles Blitz was also famous for um, his interest in the surreal, um, particularly relating to the Bermuda Triangle. Um, he's actually spent 13 years in military intelligence in the army. It's terrifying. <laughs> yeah. Um, he is the guy who first a- attempted to link the Bermuda Triangle to Atlantis, the lost city of. Um, claims that he has located Atlantis below the Bermuda Triangle. Um, oh. But, again, interestingly, accused of fabricating evidence and inventing mysteries. So, who's to say? I mean, I believe him. To
1: say. More importantly, are we going to discuss Atlantis?
0: One hundred percent. Yes, we will do that right now. Can I now. get a drink first and some cheese. Yes. So now we're going to get onto the fun bit. Yay! Mm-hmm. The fun bit, because all those dying people is less fun. I did like. I did like Vincent Gardas though. So he's my. He's my boy. Um. Anyone called Vincent in my in my uh, experiences? A good egg. Mm-hmm. Vincent Gardas is crazy. Yeah, I like them. But we're going to talk about some theories. Um, should we start off with Atlantis? Because we've been just talking about it. That's smash a
1: bit of Atlantis, yeah. I love, I love the Atlantis
0: theory. So um, Charles Burlitz, the um, famous paranormal author, was very big on Atlantis. And also very big on the Bermuda Triangle. So these things sort of coincided a lot. So um, Burlitz... Is not the only person to think that Atlantis lives beneath the Bermuda triangle. To be fair, that's not a far leap. I can see why people would think that.
1: I mean if you've got a mysterious people, era yeah. in the
0: sea and also Atlantis is in the sea. Yeah, I mean Atlantis doesn't exist, but yeah. Can you just give me this? <laughs> a lot of people believe that the civilization of Atlantis had really advanced technology. So they think that that might have interfered with the instrumentation of ships and planes, which you know, why Flight 19's compasses didn't work. You're they... your mobile
1: off on the plane.
0: Exactly, because to otherwise Atlantis will get you. Or Nana's life support will stop working. You sound like you've
1: got a very harrowed past. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh,
0: that one... fake laugh didn't help that. <laughs> one thing that is particularly interesting is that people seem to believe that a a huge theory of this is that that they had these powerful energy crystals known as death rays um, which caused their energy uh, which was the source of their energy and that's what is causing the planes to crash. I love I love it. This is my favourite thing
1: I've ever read about anything ever. When we were researching this earlier I was I was hooting in glee. <laughs>
0: um, they often say that the rock formations of the area, because they're so unusual, they consider that to be evidence of Atlantis being underneath because of the Bellini rock, uh, the Bellini path or the, the Bellini road. road. Yeah. The the Bellini rocks
1: were meant to be like rocks that were on the seabed that were meant considered to be a road in Atlantis, if Atlantis did not be real. It could. Who knows? We'll cover that. Yeah. There's one up in um, Braddon. Yeah? A village under the sea. What? <laughs> Do you know um the reservoir? hmm They flooded a village, and you can still see the tip of the church when they're slow. Oh, wow.
0: Well. Yeah. Cool. I think there's Braddon. Everywhere with the hills, I think there's Braddon, but I think there's Braddon. So, um, Dr. Ray Brown, in 1970, says that he was scuba diving in the Bahamas. And he came across this pyramid-like structure, which apparently had a smooth mirror-like finish. The inside was completely free of coral and algae, and illuminated by an unknown light source. In the centre, there was a sculpture of human hands, holding a four-inch crystal sphere, above which was suspended a red gem at the end of a brass rod. I'm not even funny, right, but what you just described sounds
1: like me. (laughs) <laughs> what? I've, I've got human hands. I'm not full of coral, <laughs> and I've got red hair.
0: Oh, confirmed. <laughs> but yeah, so that's a very, a very prominent theory that Atlantis is underneath, and that's what's causing all this shit with their death rays. I love it.
1: There's just little, little rocks under there. Just go. Poof. Every now and again, and then it, oh shit, it's hit the boat again. I love it. (laughs) Fucking nice.
0: Oh shit, it's hit the boat (laughs) again. Another bizarre theory is that of Dr. Kenneth McCall. These are all doctors, and I want to know what they're doctors of. Yeah. What's that? I feel like those
1: people who've done like a degree in the Beatles. Yeah. And then they've just taken it up to a doctor, like, you know?
0: Dr. Kenneth McCall believes um, that the area was haunted by the spirits of many African slaves who had been thrown overboard on their voyage to America. So what happened is that they used to, like, they put insurance policies out on their slaves before transferring them, and then throw them overboard, and then claim money on them. How was that ever allowed? To put, not, like, obviously the
1: throwing... (laughs) probably, but how is it allowed to put an insurance policy on your slave? Because you're so obviously then gonna kill her.
0: Yeah, but it's like transporting goods, isn't it? Like you insure your goods. God, that's depressing. It's awful. Um, well, that's grim.
1: Yeah, that's that's extremely grim. And now they're being they fucking memory is being oh. harassed by this bloke. So no
0: kind that goes. these these slaves are cursing boats that go through. One time when they were going through the area, um, he gave a little bit of a story. As we drifted gently in the now warm and steamy atmosphere, I became aware of a continuous sound like mournful singing. I thought it must be a record player in the crew's quarters, and as it continued through the second night, I finally, in exasperation, went below to ask if it could be stopped. However, the sound on there was the same as it was everywhere else, and the crew was equally mystified. So, mm. mermaids, mermaids, mermaids are oh, sirens. Oh, I love good sirens.
1: Sirens.
0: Oh, we should do sirens.
1: No, <laughs> 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 I did really to turn out the Lion okay, King. Yeah. <laughs> I go I don't know.
0: That's how you think the Lion King goes. well anyway a lot of people also think that um, there is a space time warp um, that um, in a very Cardiff Bay Doctor Who-esque manner from time to time a rift in space time opens up in the triangle it's been done it's been done so that's literally torturing I was <laughs> so traveling in the area at that time I lost in it um so that's clearly what's going on there it's a massive hot tub time machine um obviously aliens Abs. obviously aliens um for some reason people um you know for, for their motives are clear not clear but aliens have chosen the triangle as a point at which to capture and abduct for unknown purposes um, this was famously depicted in Close Encounters of the Third Kind, where um, Flight 19 was whisked away by flying saucers and then deposited in the deserts of Mexico.
1: That was written by that man, just to like prove that they were in fucking Mexico. He was like, look, guys, this is what happened, we were in Mexico. <laughs>
0: yeah, Lieutenant I Taylor. Don't
1: need a tom-tom. God rest his soul.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Came back and wrote Close Encounters. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so they're the weirdest theories Yeah, There's also The Electric Fog. Love The Electric Fog. Ooh. So, um... It's like a Prince album. It does. Electronic Fog. So, um, Rob McGregor and Bruce gooner wrote a book called The Fog, which sounds like a great horror movie.
1: It is, yeah? Um, is that the, the film? I think another myth. Probably. Ah.
0: So Goodman was actually a witness of this fog. He was flying over the Bahamas <laughs> with his father in his little his little plane.
1: And like his claim to fame, I witnessed the fog <laughs> one time.
0: So apparently they encountered a tunnel-shaped vortex which scraped the plane's wings as it flew through. Right. Um, during that time the plane's electronic and magnetic navigational instruments malfunctioned. And the compass spun inexplicably. Hmm. Okay. When they reached the end of the tunnel, they instead of seeing the sea like they thought they would, they just saw dull greyish white from miles, no ocean or sky, or horizon, or anything. And then after thirty-four minutes they found themselves over Miami Beach, which they would have thought would have taken them seventy-five minutes. So oh. space-time warp. Um. Yeah and then there are some sort of like scientific theories Which kind of make a bit of sense as well Go the Sargasso Sea You know about the Sargasso oh, Sea Sargasso Sea is my jam Tell me about That's the sea it.
1: Okay so Sargasso Sea is calm as tits It like does not move And it's covered in yellow seaweed It's like super thick google it you can see pictures of it it's like this really thick like rug of seaweed all over it and then and it's so calm that it just doesn't move so like boats will sail on there and just stop moving in the middle of the sea and they can't go nowhere because you can't like get in a and just paddle your way out when you're on a big fucking fuck off boat
0: not just that, but it's surrounded by currents on all sides as well. So you're like in this little like calm pool, surround- and it's hard to yeah. fight the currents to get back out. Yeah, something. you're just in you know, a little, so you can't you can't go nowhere. Yeah. So basically, Sagasso
1: Sea is just a big, very calm sea it's covered <laughs> in
0: seaweed. I'm just reading post notes says in red, which is Portia's comment section, I have seen the seaweed. It's mental. It's like the colour of where it says Ellen in Austin below. The link is in the, <laughs> the exact link is same in... shade of yellow that the seaweed is. <laughs> so yeah, that's the Sargasso Sea Theory. Um, we've got A-bombs, hexagonal clouds and
1: A-bombs. So over one of the corners of the triangle, there's this commonly seen hexagonal shape Clouds, or they're more kind of like gaps in the clouds, I guess. And they are caused by sort of hot and cold wind blowing together and like kind of spinning together, coming off the water, where separate, I'm doing a terrible job of explaining this, Um, so separate fronts hit each other, like storms or wind speeds hit each other from different angles from the sides of the hexagon. And they create this mixture of hot and cold air which spins up together um, and that creates air bombs which hit the ocean. They come from the hexagonal clouds and hit the ocean. They create these huge waves that are 45 foot tall and they move at 175 miles an hour and obviously just obliterate everything in its wake. Um, So that's one explanation which is hard to argue with.
0: But like it, that also exists over the North Sea, but we don't have yeah. really the triangle shit going on in Ireland. So yeah, this is um this is another point
1: that we get those hexagonal clouds like on the coast of Britain, and there's an area the size of Ireland that those clouds cover, and we don't have those problems. So
0: another fascinating part of this sort of area of the world is that um, it's a place of like magnetic anomaly. Um, so mechanical and instrument malfunctions are a result of something, a term which has been coined called vile vortices, which I love because it
1: sounds like a lovely
0: snicket, but doesn't a, it? Um, yeah, that is a um, band name if right <laughs> um, Where extreme currents and temperature variations can affect electromagnetic fields and um, Ivan Sanderson has drawn out elaborate charts which has identified ten of areas like this across the equator, all like equally spaced. Okay. Um again though only one triangle, so who's to say? Yeah. But um the Coast Guard has a theory on a based on magnets as well, um m- called magnetic variation. Um, the triangle is one of two places on Earth where a magnetic compass points to true north rather than magnetic north. And that can make up to, like, 20 degrees difference in circumnavigation. So because of that, it can be very easy to get lost. Yeah. And that can cause navigation problems, which might explain why Taylor's mag um, compasses stopped working while he was yeah. flying over the triangle. Could have been that he was paying so much attention to his, his compasses that he just... Couldn't use his common sense. <laughs> that, that was, was kind something of how I, I wanted to mention
1: when you were talking about it, but I, I don't want to derail the conversation. But um, yeah, that seems like a very viable explanation to me. Yeah. Because I mean, I'm sh- I'm sure if you were like um, flying or sailing over that part of the world, you would. Likely know about it, but not
0: necessarily. Well, he wasn't actually from like he he was an experienced flyer, but for not he, a local. Yeah, he he didn't do that route from. This yeah. was he'd only recently been transferred. He was only twenty seven. Oh, oh, that? That's he's young to be. club.
1: Ah, <gasps> <gasps> uh, that's it? Is. It's the it's, it's a triangle.
0: triangle. Give me house Freak mm-hmm. Um three hundred. But like, there's loads of reasons why people tend to get lost and things just due to natural phenomena in the area as well. Um, currents in the area are really strongly affected by the Gulf Scream. S- the Gulf Scream. <laughs> <laughs> the Gulf Stream. sleep. <laughs> <laughs> so um, it's quite common to have sort of nav- if you have like navigational errors or there's a freak storm, which do tend to happen there. Um, you can get sort of swept up in these currents which can cause problems if you're on the sea rather than in a plane, I guess. It doesn't explain everything. But because the Gulf, uh, the Gulf Stream is really warm water, there's high rates of evaporation, which means the water that's left is really salty. It's
1: right. really
0: hypertonic. Um and because of that, that water then sinks beneath the colder water underneath, which causes whirlpools. And that's why there's so many whirlpools there. How cool is that? Oh, okay.
1: So, wait, so the whirlpools are under the water? Yeah, whirlpools are.
0: Well, yeah, no, not, no, but, they're not like but they be on
1: the top of the water, aren't they? Like? Yeah,
0: but it still would be because it's this turbulent water sort of shifting. We've got warm water sinking because it's made of more salt. Mm-hmm. And then going up, so it would sort of be surface as well. Okay, I thought it was just in the warm bit. Maybe, who knows? Oh, that's cool. Um, yeah, also, there's like the continental shelf in that area causes an unusual sea floor where there's a really sharp drop, Um, which can cause like really weird water things like maritime problems. I don't know. Doesn't explain
1: the uh, plains or desert.
0: No. So, um, no, these short but intense storms um, tend to come up in areas along the equator.
1: Short and intense is how I'm describing <laughs> <laughs>
0: Um But they go away so fast and often satellites don't even pick them up. So that could explain for um, flight disturbances, I suppose. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Um, that's not an abnormal... I think the only way we're really
1: going to find out is if we get one of them old-fashioned lead suits and walk, walk the Bermuda Triangle.
0: Underneath? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Shall we do it?
0: That's how you'll find that pyramid with the hands. Yeah. Trying to pull shit. There are obviously theories which kind of do explain what happened to Flight 19 pretty well. But I don't want to know. <laughs> I'm going to tell you anyway. Um. They call it the Flight 19 error chain. Um, first of all, none of the aircraft had a clock installed. And that's like really important for navigating in a time speed distance exercise, which is what that was. Where you're um. like, oh, i got to fly this far in this amount of time and then turn Oh, he really fucking failed that, didn't he? Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. they were like, well, maybe the students had watches on, but nobody confirmed that. Another point there is that students were doing the navigating. Even though they had an experienced flyer with them, it was a practice run for relatively inexperienced flyers. So driving. Jumpers. Yeah. So, nice. like, that's another thing that could just explain. It's not like this was a perfect condition thing. The weather wasn't particularly good. It was windy. The seas were rough. We mentioned earlier about Lieutenant Taylor not wanting to be there. Yeah. So it could have been that he wasn't actually fit to fly. Maybe he was drunk or fatigued or sick. He did seem, like, unusually disoriented. Like, something that people always say is unusual about it is, how did the plane get so disoriented? And what happened was Taylor was disoriented. Yeah. It doesn't really make much sense that he thought he was over the Gulf of Mexico. If you just used rudimentary navigational skills, you should have been able to figure out that that's not yeah. where they were. Um, it was like he was flying with, like, really significantly impaired judgment and a lack of basic pilotage skills. But he'd been flying for, like, 2,500 miles. Not it's that day. Um, <laughs> hours, that even, would explain hours. why he's <laughs> Yeah, he's, got, he's, he's done 2,500 hours <laughs> in his life of flying. And, but yet yeah, he couldn't figure that out. Whereas one of the students who had barely any experience compared to him. Yeah, picked up. Was like, yeah, we need yeah. to go west. What's this guy doing?
1: Yeah, I was thinking this when you were um, talking about when it happened. Um, it, it definitely sounds... It sounded like it could have been yeah, just something yeah. off like a a mental illness episode or um just a regular Maybe illness. He was episode. Drunk. I feel like if he was drunk enough to be that, um so have was judgment that impaired, like, someone would have known he was drunk. And also, he wouldn't
0: have turned up and been like, I don't really feel like doing this. Can no, he wouldn't have been like,
1: look, like I can't, I can't yeah, do it. Yeah, piss me. Yeah,
0: I feel, it's, it's, it's seem more like it could have been
1: something like, you know,
0: yeah. he, he
1: could have been ill or something like that, like,
0: physically ill. Maybe something had happened in his life. Yeah. Oh, Taylor. Anyway, um... Another thing is that the ground systems had got good triangulation on where the broadcasts were coming from. And they knew exactly, they knew that flying uh, him west would have sent him home. It was very
1: advanced for the, that
0: time of really. When was it in the 40s? Yeah, well, 40. no, I mean, post-World War Two or during World War Two, that would have been developed. Yeah, so. that's true, actually, yeah. But, like, clearly Taylor had lost confidence in flying westernly and, and decided to turn back and fly east. No, doesn't seem to be any evidence of ground telling him, "Oh, actually, mate, go west. We know where you are. You're here." So that's a bit weird. Like, Did this... they,
1: didn't you say they were telling him too? Any? No, yeah, but they me. didn't tell him.
0: We know you're in the right place. They didn't tell you him. Maybe that
1: was assumed that he knew that because, like, that's why they do mm. their job and tell him where to go. Yeah. So
0: basically, Taylor, Taylor, fucked up,
1: my yeah. yeah.
0: Taylor, what you doing, boy?
1: That sounds a little bit um, like a sort of a psychotic episode as well, doesn't it? That he was so insistent that he this was right, even though he had no reason to believe it was. Mm-hmm. Like it was. Yeah, just I don't like, really want
0: to like speculate that this no, guy was crazy. But not that crazy. The seems... whole
1: point is to speculate. Yeah, <laughs> I like know, yeah but you know, yeah, he could have had. But, but I, I just think that sounds like quite a likely explanation for that. So.
0: The most likely scenario generally is, for Flight 19, the planes ran out of gas and were ditched in the ocean. But why was nobody found? And maybe that's because of the Gulf Stream taking things further away than they should have gone. Maybe it's because the water's deeper in certain places, because the currents are very mixed up because of the temperature changes. But you think they would have found something at some point. Yeah. But yeah, um... There's a number of theories, some scientific, some less not scientific, so. some that Fox Mulder would definitely be interested in. But yeah, but the search continues to this day and there are no e- there's no evidence that s- this six aircraft and 27 crewmen have ever been found from that. And that's not the only one either. There's, that's I'm the course. most famous, but it's... One in the list of how many did you say? Um, 50? There's conflicting reports,
1: but um, roughly 50 uh, water vessels and 70-odd aircraft, I believe.
0: More than 50 ships, says Britannica, but Big Think says hundreds of ships.
1: Ah, and 75 planes. I ma- I mashed them together.
0: So, yeah, um, we did... Minimal research um, and
1: Absolutely. came up with that info. Um, but it was fun and enjoyable. Yeah. And my favorite thing is that my concern with doing this podcast was that it would like ruin the world for me because I really like not understanding stuff. I really enjoy like mysteries that interest me. And I was worried that I would just discover loads of boring logical explanations for fascinating things but we still are no to closer to understanding and also I think I think most of the scientific ex- ex- explanations that we came across were quite interesting That's what I was going to say like
0: my favourite, the best thing that I learned today was that thing about the gulf streams and the water and the I thought that was really cool.
1: I like the hexagonal clouds.
0: Oh, you do like the hex... She does love a good hexagonal <laughs> cloud. And the yeah. sea. And the sea. The sea, the the sea, 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 sea is, is the star console. of the show yeah, and she? Yeah. As, the, um... That cruel mistress. As... Vincent Gaddis once said... <laughs> At the end of that fateful article which put the Bermuda Triangle on the map, the sea guards well her secrets. And on that note, thanks for listening. Daddy will be back at some point in the near future. It's a mystery as to when. Oh. I see what I did. Um but in the meantime you can catch us on Twitter. Yes, we are doing that plug. Um uh, at Hazar for Bethan and spell it. H-U-Z-Z-A-H-F-O-R-B-E-T-H-A-N. Yeah.
1: And mine is at not like the car. And my Instagram's the same also.
0: Hit me up on there, guys. My Instagram is not the same. <laughs> Don't follow me on Instagram. Okay. <laughs> Alright, cheers guys. Um, the truth is out there. Oh no. No, no.
1: Bye. Bye. <laughs> Hello, my name is RJ and I am the host of the Copper Ajay Podcast. If you need help waking up on a Monday morning or something for your commute, or you just need to sit down with a nice hot cuppa and relax, the Copper Raja Podcast is for you. Me and my friends gather around and have some lovely banter and try and figure out just what life is all about while having fun, as well as playing a game called Headlights, where we try and figure out what
0: in the news is the
1: truth and what is a lie. But if you're interested in that, feel free to listen to the Coverage podcast available on all good streaming sites. Even podmensch.com. A different kind of casting.